Matthew 9, 35 and 38, the verses will also be on the screen behind me. And the word of the Lord says this. And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, for they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. You may be seated. Good morning. Merry Christmas. I hope you had a good Christmas yesterday and Happy New Year as we uh, come into this week getting ready for the new year. Just a handful of announcements and then I'll uh, teach from Matthew chapter 9 this morning, uh, kind of coming out of uh, Christmas Eve service, looking at what would it look like for us as a church to uh, be the evangelist that God has called us to. So just three quick announcements. I'll pray, and then we'll jump into God's Word uh, together this morning. Uh, the first announcement is there is no Wednesday evening service this Wednesday due uh, to uh, the kids being out of school, holiday week, uh, so no service this, this coming Wednesday night. Also, I forgot to mention last week we did take up uh, in the back a Christ for Christmas offering. We're still taking uh, that offering up. If you uh, didn't hear the announcement the week before, forgot to bring your offering last week, uh, you can still make that offering this morning. In the last, uh, we are continuing to look for a youth pastor, so I'll pray for that process here uh, in a moment. But no church on Wednesday and the Christ for Christmas offering. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll jump into Matthew chapter 9 this morning. God, we're grateful for your faithfulness and your kindness to us. We're grateful that you and your wisdom and your sovereignty and your love sent your son Jesus, who we just celebrated yesterday. I pray that even in all the festivities of yesterday, that we took a moment to reflect about what yesterday was all about. That you that gave it your son the greatest gift that's ever been granted to this planet to come and to live and to die so that each of us in this room would have life and life to the full pray that we would live out of that this year as we head into this new year that we'd live a life of fullness a life without regret because of christ jesus and what he offers us provides for us and god we do come and ask that you would provide with for your people, a youth pastor, for your students here at Palace Chapel. And God, be preparing us for them and them for us. Pray for our search committee that you would pour out your wisdom. They navigate these resumes over the next few weeks and months. Uh, that a candidate would stand out. Uh, that you would make that so clear to them. That they would come and serve you and serve these students that they would make you known to this lost world as they offer uh, the gospel to our students. So lead us and guide us in that process. And now lead us and guide us as we look at your word, your holy word. May we be challenged to be the light into this dark world. 
We pray this in Christ's mighty name. Amen. I'm losing my voice, so I hope I'll make it through the service. If not, you can come read my notes if you uh, if we don't get that far. Let's look together at Matthew chapter 9. Um, Matthew chapter 9. You know, God has called us, talking to someone this morning about this. You know, the Apostle Paul says there's those in uh, the body of Christ that have the gift of evangelism. That means that God is in his sovereignty and his goodness and his kindness has made a way for some people in the church to just have this gift to go out and proclaim God's message. Now, a lot of us, because there's that gifting in the New Testament, we can shirk back our responsibilities. But Jesus makes it clear when he ascends to the Father in Matthew chapter 28, he says to the disciples and he says to the church in Acts chapter 1, now you go and make disciples. That's part of evangelism, that's going into a lost world. And so this morning I want to look at, as we head into this new year, what would it look like for us, a church, to be a church that would evangelize or bring the good news to lost people? I want to look at two things this morning. Those two things are his, uh, we, we have to have his motivation, Christ's motivations, and then we have to have Christ's method. So the motivation, what motivates us as a church for evangelism. The interesting part in this text in Matthew chapter 9, it's the transition point in the book of Matthew. If you look at the book of Matthew, the first nine chapters till this point, Jesus is doing all the work of evangelizing. He's doing all the work of healing and setting people free. You see that over and over until this section of Matthew chapter 9. And then the transition is that Jesus then goes and sends out the 12 to do the work of evangelism. You see that in chapter 10, verse 5. These 12, he had just called the 12 to himself. He says, now, go everywhere among the Gentiles. Go nowhere among the Gentiles. But go and proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand. And heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. So he's making this transition. But before he makes the transition, he talks to his disciples that day. He gives them the motivation that they must have, which we must as a church have. What is our motivation to do evangelism? Let's look at the passage in 35, 36, and 37. It says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The first thing that we need to see is that we must have eyes like Christ. Do we have the eyes of Christ? The first thing that we see Christ sees is what? He sees the people. He goes into their villages, their synagogues. He's amongst the people. So often we as the church can become isolative in that. And 
withdraw from the world. God doesn't cause to withdraw from the world. He tells us to go into the world, but not become like the world. So the first thing that we must do is have eyes to see, to see people. Are we engaging in our community? It's amazing to me the new houses that are being built. I was on a call the other day and just drove around talking to someone on the phone and was just amazed by all the new houses that are being developed within a five-mile radius of us. Do we get out and about to see people? But look at how Jesus saw these people. He saw them and he had what? Compassion. That word compassion literally means our intestines or our bowels. It's this thing deep within us. You know, maybe your kids got toys this holiday season. Tennyson got a hoverboard yesterday and runs around. And my whole thought when she first got on was, what if she falls and gets hurt? Anyone ever seen a kid fall? You can kind of feel it yourself. That's what Jesus is talking about here, that we can feel other people's pain. Do we have compassion as we see the world? Do we have compassion on lost people? First thing that must motivate us is to have compassion is what Jesus does in Matthew chapter 23. He says to them that he wants to gather them all under their wings. It's what he does in Luke chapter 19. He drew near to the city and he wept over the city. My challenge to you this next week is to get in your car with your spouse, with your family, and just drive around to see the lostness of our city. That we would be compassionate for those that are lost. So do you and I, the first, do we have a compassion for lost people? This is what one writer says about this compassion. His name is Paul Brand. Paul Brand says this, Jesus reaches out his hand and touches the eyes of the blind. He touched the skin of the person with leprosy and the legs of the crippled. I sometimes wonder why Jesus so frequently touched the people he healed. So many of whom must have been unattractive, obviously diseased, unsanitary, and smelly. With his power, he easily... Because of these three things, Jesus had compassion. So do you and I have that kind of compassion this morning? The first thing he says is that they are harassed. That word harassed means to be flayed or skinned alive. Think about that for a moment. That's how Jesus sees people flayed or skinned alive. They are greatly troubled or distressed. See, I think the world appears to have it all together. If we can have the eyes of Jesus, we'd see the world as greatly distressed. Do we believe that this morning, church? that our neighbors are greatly distressed, even if they look like they have it all together on the outside. Because that's not what Jesus saw. He didn't see these people that had it all together. He saw a people that were troubled and distressed. The next thing that he says is that they're 
helpless. Which means they have no one to help them. And then he says they're helpless and sheep without a shepherd. That's a metaphor that Jesus is using there. If you anyone ever dealt with sheep, I never have, never want to. But this is what the commentators say about sheep. If you take a sheep and you put it on its backside, a sheep cannot roll over to its legs. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. If, you're, if you've ever matched with sheep, let me know. But what Jesus is saying is these people are like helpless sheep that have no shepherd to put them back upright. And so Jesus is saying, I have compassion for these helpless sheep, sheep without a shepherd. So do we this morning, are we motivated the way Christ was with compassion? Because they're harassed and helpless, the sheep without a shepherd. And why would he be motivated with compassion because of their condition? It moves in. You can't see it outright in the text. We can apply it to the text because of the other places Jesus talks about it. It's because of their condemnation. Jesus can see what we can't see. He sees their eternal state. They will die and go to hell. But Jesus is motivated with compassion. Jesus would say through the apostle Peter that he wishes no one would perish but have everlasting life. So this morning, are we motivated the way Christ was? This must motivate us as the church. I want to look at the method that he uses to reach lost people. Two things. I taught it before, I'll teach it again. I'm going through my notes fast because my voice is going out fast, if you can't tell. The method is this. Jesus compels us to have compassion for lost people. Then he gives us a method to go and reach those lost people. Here's the beauty about the method. It all hinges on God. God is going to save who God wants to save. That's his role. Our role in that is to be obedient, to take the gospel message to those people. We cannot save anyone. Do we know that? Thank God it doesn't rest on us. Because if it rested on us, we ought never come into this building. We ought to always be out there, man, working our tails off to reach lost people. If If we really believe that it rests on us. But Jesus says in this text, His method doesn't rest on us. It rests on where? The church. So the first means or the first method is people. He said said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of lost people. But what? The workers are few. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. I don't think Jesus means that there's few people to do the working. I think he's talking about there's few obedient people to do the work. It's not my primary role 
as the pastor of Powell's Chapel to reach lost people. Do you know that? It's not why God brought me to Powell's Chapel. It's not why God put me in this pulpit was to reach lost people. My primary calling on my life as your pastor is to train you to you go and do the work of evangelism. That's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. I am to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. What's the work of the ministry? To reach lost people. Now, I'm going to reach lost people because I'm called to. But if you're thinking, man, we just got to bring them to Todd and Todd can teach them, that's a mistake. God has equipped his church to go do the work of the ministry. So his first method or his first means to reach lost people is you and me, the church. And let's look at the second means. He said, because the workers are few, then what does he say in verse 38? Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out the workers into his harvest. He's going to use the church to go reach lost people. How is he going to empower them? Through prayer. I think Jesus is saying for us to pray for lost people because what does prayer do? Prayer changes us before it changes anyone else. When I become a prayerful person, I become a very dependent person on the Lord. So as God is saying to us here and in Luke chapter 10, that we are to pray earnestly. Because if we pray earnestly, we're going to begin to have the heart of God. And so we praying earnestly for the harvest and for the workers. So we pray earnestly for the harvest and the workers you will be motivated to take the gospel message to lost people. So are we this morning motivated through prayer to reach lost people? Every great revival in history started where? In a prayer service. I would plead with you and say this to you, we ought to have more people on Wednesday night prayer meetings than we do on Sunday mornings. Because that's our chance as a body to commune together and petition before God together. So we, a praying church, are we praying the way Jesus prayed for the workers, for the harvest, that God would redeem people? So this morning in closing, I'd ask this question. Do you have eyes like Christ? Do you see lost people with compassion? Do you see lost people harassed and helpless? Sheep without a shepherd? Are you convinced of their eternal state? The condemnation that waits for them? And then would we be obedient to be God's people to go into the harvest to reap that which Christ says is ready to be reaped? And are we a praying people? Are we praying and pleading to God to send us, to give us the words to speak, and to redeem people? Do we pray for lost people? How do we see people this morning?
Let us pray.